there's always two sides to every story and whether it's right or wrong, I think that had to have been helpful just to kind of think from his perspective, like, okay, like what was my dad thinking? What was he feeling during this time? I'm trying to raise a child actor while, you know, being in recovery and being um, an ex-con. And um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Med staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. It's already the end of May, which to me feels insane. It feels like May was like five minutes long. What do you think? Yeah, I don't understand how it is possibly almost June already. It's it's crazy. Um, and you know what? I love June. June's a great month. Um, this really feels like the start of summer. Um, my son's first birthday is in a week. I'm super excited. My mom's birthday, both my mother and father-in-law share the same birthday. Uh, it's pride month. Um, father's day. I don't know. There's a ton of really great stuff in the month of June. We're going to wrap up May with, um, a film called honey boy. It's kind of funny because when, uh, when Nina and I were getting everything ready for the month of May, we started the month with, Honeyland, and we're ending it with Honey Boy. This is kind of funny how that worked Lots out. Lots of honey in the month of May. Yes. Um, but Honey Boy, if you've never heard of it, it's available on Amazon Prime. Um, and it is a film that was actually written by Shia LaBeouf, which um, hopefully you guys know who he is. Um, famous from uh, Disney Channel, uh, Transformers, done tons of films over the years. Um, but it's actually an autobiography about his life growing up as a child actor. Um, I had never heard of this until actually my husband told me about it. Um, he uh, showed me the trailer and I was interested. We actually watched it together. Um, then I watched it a second time just to kind of really take in the message. Um, it was released in 2019. Um, and the, the really interesting twist about this movie is, yes, it is about Shia LaBeouf's life when he was uh, about 12 years old um, leading up to his early 20s. But he plays the role of his dad. Um, which is, is really interesting. Um, and we'll talk about that um, when we get to kind of the second half of our podcast, but it really gave him the perspective from his father. So he kind of has those two different perspectives of him growing up and then his father raising him as a child actor. Um, so a lot of, a lot of conflicting feelings for sure. Um, just right off the bat, Nina, what, what did you think of this one? Because it was, it was my idea to watch it. And did you even know what it was before you watched it? Um, I didn't know really anything about it. Obviously, once we talked about how we were going to review it, I Googled it. And, and I was really interested to hear because I know Shia LaBeouf had a really rough couple of years. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you think back just to how traumatizing, I think that being a child actor can probably be because you're literally doing an adult's job as a growing child so I feel like it can be really really easily um like 
I'm, I think it would just be really difficult for any child actor. Um, and then for somebody that continued to do it for a long time. Um, and then we heard about, you know, he'd had just some issues with the law. He went to rehab. He was kind of out of the acting scene for a little bit. So I was really interested to see like what he took away from that time and how he was going to put that into a movie about his life. And I didn't know anything about his relationship with his parents or with his father specifically. So I was really intrigued to learn about that. Me too. And, you know, I grew up with Shia LaBeouf. I watched Even Stevens as a kid um, in a lot of his films. Um, one of my favorites being um, uh, Dis- Disturbia, was that what it was called? It's a good one. Yeah, that um, was I actually reminded me about that movie. And I was like, man, I really should watch that again. Also, Holes. Yes, Holes. I actually watched that on maternity leave. I hadn't watched it in a long time. That's a good one. Yeah, I grew up with him too. Um, actually, I just watched Lawless a few weeks ago, which he's in. That one's really good. Um, he was in the last Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I grew up with Shia LaBeouf too, and I really I liked him a lot as an actor. So I was really interested to see what this was going to look like. I think the last movie I had seen him in was Fury. Oh yeah. Prior to this. Um, I hadn't really been keeping up on a lot of his more recent work, but obviously, um, if you are into pop culture at all, you've heard all of the stories about him, his like performance artwork, if you want to call it that over the past few years, obviously his troubles with the law, he's been arrested several times. Um, he just, he really had a rough go of it for a while, but I was really happy to see, you know, his, his recovery. And because of this film, obviously it portrays a really really toxic relationship with his father but because of this movie he was able to rekindle that relationship so there is a silver lining despite how how dark this film gets at times but but we'll get into that um first let's just go over the cast we have Shia LaBeouf of course as James Lort who is um Otis's father obviously James is um a character a character based on his father um Lucas Hedges plays um Otis as a 22 year old and Noah Jupe plays Otis as a 12 year old which by the way both of these actors amazing obviously Shia is great but um the two actors who play Otis at 12 and 22 are phenomenal, especially the 12 year old. He was great. Um, and then a lot of small characters. Um, Nina, do you know who FK Twigs is? I felt like that name was really, really familiar, but I didn't recognize her for anything. Me either. Is she like a like rap artist? I'm not really sure, um, but she plays, she doesn't actually have a name in the movie. She's just called Shy Girl. Um, and also, okay, so I looked at the cast and Natasha Leone is in this. When? Um, she plays his mom. I think it's, it's like, just, I think we just hear her voice. Okay. Yeah, um, I was, I was yeah FK is a singer songwriter. Yeah. Well, there you go. Also, Martin Starr, who is in a ton of like Judd Apatow films, who's in Freaks and Geeks, he plays one of the counselors at the rehab that Otis goes to, um, and a bunch of other really, really small parts. But that's primarily the main cast. Um, this movie really focuses on that um, father-son relationship between Otis and uh, James's father. So the film starts out in 2005, and it shows Otis as an action movie actor. Um, and it also shows his extreme alcohol addiction, um, shows him partying with different people, just drinking heavily, and it leads him to a car accident and a violent altercation with the police. He's um, uh, just kind of shouting, like, do you know who I am? Like, I'm so good at what I do, and just being really, 
really awful. Um, and then he is actually sent to rehab in exchange for going to prison for four years. Um, his counselor thinks that he has PTSD, uh, which he denies, um, but she asks him to, um, through exposure therapy, to go back and to think about his childhood and his specifically the relationship with his father. So then we go back to 1995, 10 years earlier when Otis is a child actor. Um, he does like competitive like pie throwing or like pie, something with pies. Um, and um, that's when we see his father um, who is like his paid chaperone. Um, we also kind of acts like his manager in a way. He's not, but he, um, I don't know, he's He's a chaperone, but he doesn't treat him like, you know, a typical father would treat a 12-year-old kid. Like, he talks to him like he's an adult, and Otis doesn't act like a 12-year-old. He smokes cigarettes. He swears. He um, just, you know, doesn't, aside from just the fact that he's a child actor who they already don't have normal lives, um, he just really doesn't really get a chance to be a kid, and it's kind of sad to see that. Um they live in this really rundown motel um, near LA for all of the you know shootings that he has, um, and his father is also a former rodeo clown, so he kind of has a little bit of experience in performing. So he gives him a lot of tips and insight. He works with him on his lines, um, so he's helpful in that way. But also, he you you see very early on that he's extremely emotionally manipulative, um, constantly telling him like pushing him, you know again, like you see with child actors and their parents almost like living vicariously through them, you know, you can kind of tell that that James is is jealous of his fame almost because he never really got that chance. Um, so that relationship right off the bat, you can tell is, is pretty toxic. Um, James's mom, or not James, uh, Otis's mom isn't really in the picture. I mean, she's, she's, in it, but not really um, through a phone call later on in the film. Um, but she's working while uh, James is um, not working, but again, working as like a chaperone. Um, and Otis pays him to to do that, to take him to his shoots and drive him around and just kind of be there for him. So James, you can tell, has his own slew of, of issues, um, but he's four years sober um, but he's clearly on edge and unpredictable and he's very aggressive. Um, and we keep hearing about early on in the film, this Tom guy, who's Tom. Um, it's obviously a sore subject for the two. Otis wants to go to a baseball game with his friend, AJ, but he won't say who's driving him and it's Tom. And Tom actually happens to be Otis's big brother, uh, the big brothers, big sisters program that, um, Otis's mom actually wanted him to do, and James is very jealous of him and speaks very poorly of him, saying, well, you, people only do that because they have shitty dads, so, you know, your mom makes me seem like such a shitty dad, um, but then James says, okay, you can go to the game. I want to meet Tom, so you can go to the game. If you bring him over here, I'll barbecue for him. We'll get to know each other, but you can kind of tell he has ulterior motives, so so Tom comes over, and um, James has a little bit of a fight with him and says, you know, if you asked my son who he wants to grow up to be, it wouldn't be me. You know, that jealousy is there that, you know, that um, fighting for the affection of his son is there. And he even shoves him in a pool and says, you know, stay away from my son and threatens him, um, which is a really sad scene. Um, 
And James also manipulates Otis into thinking his mom doesn't really care about him. He's like, what's your mom doing? She's working, you know, because she doesn't believe in your career. She doesn't think that you are going to make it. She thinks you're going to fail. That's why she has a backup job. I'm here for you. I'm your cheerleader. And he calls him honey boy. Again, you know, the name of the film, um, which I guess actually was uh, Shia LaBeouf's nickname as a child. Um, but just that, just right away, like in the first half of the film, all of this stuff that happens, it just, it makes you feel so bad. And to think, um, I, I did a little bit of research on the film. Some of this stuff is true. Some of it's not, you know, a little bit of it is dramatized for, for the sake of the film, but, um, just to be that young and to, um, you know, have to feel that turmoil between, between parents. Like I'm a child of divorce. So I, I get that a little bit in a sense, but, but how awful for that 12 year old kid to have to deal with that kind of, you know, aggression between the parents and, you know, having a big brother, somebody that he can look up to, um, but his father won't let him see him. Like that just, all of that really, really made me sad. What do you think, Nina? I think that it has to be super hard to, first of all, be a child that's like really, really far away from your mom mm-hmm. and doing, like I said earlier, like an adult's job being an actor. Um, and then to have the tension of, you know, he talks to his mom on the phone and his dad doesn't like it. He like, I don't know, he talks badly about her. Um, he like puts them, they have a conversation later on in the movie, um, which we can talk about a little bit later too, but there, there's a conversation that the mom is having with Otis on the phone and he is basically being the middleman between his parents mm-hmm. and his dad's saying, well, tell him this. And the mom's saying, well, tell him this. And they're basically like screaming at each other and Otis is just in the middle and it's really awkward. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's like not only just in a really tough place as a child of divorce and a child of, you know, of fame and and having this pseudo adult life while still being parented by your dad, who's not a very good parent anyway. Um, he, I can just see how he somehow Otis really makes it through a lot of this seemingly you know, okay, but obviously he's going to, based on all the things that are happening to him, he's going to harbor a lot of those feelings deep down because he is just going through a really, really tough, like, phase of life. Absolutely. And, um, and he manages, like, when he's on set, he's still super professional. He, you know, shows up for work. He does, he, he does a good job. He's respectful of everybody there. Um, but to just know, you know, that, that awful home life that he had, and he did actually, the real Shia LaBeouf actually did live in a motel with his father, um, when he was doing even Stevens, at least in the beginning. So again, watching that show, like you never would have known like this super happy, goofy kid had this, just this really hard life, um, in the beginning, um, in the film, though, we do jump back to, um, 2005 Otis is in rehab and he's just really struggling to deal with, you know, revisiting these memories and thinking about it and thinking about his father. And he's really um, like pushing against the system or the, the program. He doesn't believe it's working. He doesn't think that it's, he's just like, ah, oh, like, you know, I'm an actor, you know, I know how to fake these things. Like he just doesn't really believe in it. But his roommate, he says something really interesting to him. Um, they're outside. And one of the counselors, Martin Starr, actually, he tells him like, I want you to go out into the woods and just scream. And just, you know, scream as loud as you can. And after that, he's talking with his roommate and um, just kind of complaining about how he's there and he doesn't want to be. And his roommate's like, you know, I could have had eight years in prison, but instead I'm here making scarves. Just kind of like putting it into perspective, like, dude, like 
you have a good situation going. Like this is going to be so much better for you. You could be in prison and you're here, you know, swimming and exercising and, you know, just it's a much better situation. So I thought that was, you know, an interesting little touch that he kind of, you know, gave him that, that perspective. Um, when we go back to 1995, there's a scene with James at an AA meeting and he starts arguing with another member um, about their disagreements. Um, because of this meeting, um, he actually doesn't show up to pick Otis up from the set. Um, and Otis meets another girl, the shy girl um, at the complex. They kind of spark a little, I wouldn't, I don't want to call it a relationship. And we never really, we don't know anything about this girl, how old she is. We know Otis is supposed to be about 12 I don't really know how old this girl is, but they don't really have like, like a romantic relationship, but just kind of somebody to take care of him. Like she's so sweet to him. Like they, they like cuddle together. They play together. I mean, he kind of really feels like he's being taken care of and loved by someone. Um, so that's really kind of, you know, the only affection he's getting. And it's not even from somebody he really knows. Um, but, uh, so, um, about halfway, a little more than halfway through the film, um, Otis has an opportunity to shoot a movie in Canada, but his mom is worried that James can't go because we find out he's, um, he has a record. He has a registered sex offender. We don't know why at first, but this is that scene that Nina was talking about, um, where Otis is literally verbalizing, like, not saying, oh, mom said this, like he's saying it for her and saying the things back to her from um, his dad and he's swearing and is just saying awful things back and forth. And it's just so sad. This kid that has to be this like mediator between his parents. Um, not only is he like being a mediator, but he's, he's kind of acting like he's acting. Yeah. Like he's taking these lines and like saying it in his dad's voice and then like saying mm -hmm. it in his mom's voice. And, and like, I feel like he thinks maybe it's, it's his job as an actor in a way to interpret what's happening and, and just communicate that and not really think very much about it. It's just a really awkward scene to watch. It is. It, it's hard. And then, then we have this really, I would say a, a really powerful scene acted by Shia LaBeouf. He's at another meeting and this is kind of where we learn why he is the way he is. So, um, he's talking about his mom and how his mom, um, uh, I don't think she, I mean, she obviously had him with a man, but then she has a female partner. His stepmother um, is extremely abusive. She's an alcoholic. She hits him. And um, after, uh, and I think his mom actually dies. He says that she like falls. Um, and then he joins the army because he doesn't really know what else to do. And he comes back and he just completely spirals downward. He gets addicted to cocaine. He, um, smokes a lot of weed. He obviously drinks a lot. Um, he said that he got so bad with drinking that he, without even realizing it, he was so drunk that he attempted to rape a woman and, um, it didn't happen, but she jumped out of a moving vehicle and that's how he was became a registered sex offender. He went to jail and um, joined a recovery program. And then in that time is when he found out that he was a father. And he, he says um, this really powerful scene where he says that, you know, um, I do my best. I try so hard for my son, um, but I'm in so much pain. And um, just that really speaks to addiction, how um, I'm fortunate enough that I've never really experienced this kind of addiction firsthand with anyone in my life. But from what I, I, I've heard from other people, just sometimes you'd think that he even says at some point in the film, I can't get sober for you to his son. And um, it's, it's such a heartbreaking thing that addiction can be so powerful. And uh, 
all consuming that even your own family, your loved ones, it, that can't prevent you from succumbing to it. And so that, that moment, you don't really feel bad for him, but you really kind of get to know like, okay, this is why he is the way he is. This is what started all of it. And I bet too, that that had to have been so therapeutic for Shia to, to do that scene kind of showcasing like, this is, this is who my father was. This is what it was like. And, you know, kind of learning you know, from his shoes, even though it's just acting, why, why he was the way he was and is, I guess, and deep down. Um, but um, it's a really powerful scene. I think it's really easy to place blame on people, especially our parents, for the things that they do at like while they're raising us. Um, and to, it's really easy to blame them and not think about what made them the way that they are, what they could have experienced as a child that you know, made them into who they are. Um, so I feel like it probably was, I don't know if he necessarily talked to his dad or if that is how he interpreted it, like knowing his dad's history and just figured like, oh, this is my, this must be how he felt. Um, which I'd be really interesting, interested to know if, if his dad had any like impact on not necessarily writing the film, but like if they had ever talked about those things in real life or if that's just what he, how he interpreted it. For sure. Um, Two, I think, um, yeah, again, just kind of getting to put himself in those shoes. I mean, there's always two sides to every story and whether it's right or wrong, I think that had to have been helpful just to kind of think from his perspective, like, okay, like what was my dad thinking? What was he feeling during this time? I'm trying to raise a child actor, while, you know, being in recovery and being um, an ex-con. And um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And then we flash forward again to 2005, Otis is um, again resisting rehab. And he says, he keeps like arguing with his counselor, like, I don't drink because of my dad. I work because of him, but he's the kind of person that takes credit for anything good in my life. And he also has this really powerful um, scene where he's, or within the same scene where he says, um, the only thing of value my dad ever gave me was pain. And you're trying to take that away, which is such a, such an interesting concept. Um, like, you know, to be gifted in quotations, pain, but it creates who you are. Um, not only does it create who you are, he uses that in, as an actor, mm-hmm. he channels his inner pain to make him a better actor. And so he's kind of like arguing with her being like, why, why do you want to get rid of this pain that I feel and that motivates me to be a better actor when that's all I really got from my dad. Right. And it also, again, brings into perspective, um, other actors, you know, especially, um, and, you know, completely different, but, you know, bringing up Robin Williams, you know, like how he was in so much pain throughout so much of his life, he had addiction issues and he channeled that into his acting and he tried to, you know, be this happy, funny person to hide from all of that pain. Like just, again, it just makes you think in the, in the broader scheme of things, these people that put on these happy fronts, um, of, you know, strength or whatever, but deep down what, what they're really going through. Um, and child actors, especially too, you you hear so many awful stories of child actors, Lindsay Lohan, for example, who she's getting better, but she also had a really rough go of it too. Um, and sometimes they don't make it out. Um, River Phoenix, you know, like all of these actors that never had a chance to redeem themselves. Um, it, it, it's just really sad and kind of a sobering moment in the movie where you see that, um, 
you know, that that's something that unfortunately a lot of people deal with. So then we kind of reach the climax of the film. We go back to 1995. Otis and James are practicing lines and um, James goes across the street to yell at the neighbors for their being too loud. And Otis is kind of embarrassed. There's a little bit of a fight, but not really between um, James and the neighbors across the street. Um, but James and Otis fight and Otis says, James works for him. He's doing him a favor by giving him a job and like completely undermines his father. Um, and then Otis demands that James be a better father to him. He smacks him in the face twice for talking to him that way. Um, and then he leaves and he goes to a strip club. He gets drugs. I think he drinks too, like completely relapses. And um, during that time, Otis is just spending time with a shy girl. They're hanging out. They're having fun. And then um, uh, Otis comes or James comes back the next morning. The shy girl is still there and he's uh, you know, obviously upset by that. And, um, he says, pardon my language, which is like, you fucked my son. And she says, no, you fuck your son, smacks him in the face and leaves. And, um, they have this, this interesting moment after the fact, um, where, where James is, uh, he's opening up to Otis about like, you made it, you did what I couldn't do. Um, and then he asks him like, how do you think it feels to have your son talk about you this way? You pay me, um, and then Otis says, it's so sad that his dad wouldn't even be around if he didn't pay him. So that was kind of a sad moment, but also just everything kind of comes full circle at that moment, just kind of what they're both getting and not getting out of their relationship together. Um, and then <laughs> this is actually true. Um, so I don't know if they actually smoked weed together, but James or Jeffrey is his real name in real life. Um, Shia's dad actually did grow marijuana off the side of the highway and um, they go to it. Um, oh, it's actually, there's actually really kind of a funny line in the movie where James is like, I'm growing son. He's like, yeah, dad, I can see that. And he's like, no, you, you don't get what I mean. I'm like, I'm growing weed. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um, they go and smoke it together. Not a, mm, kind of a weird scene, you know, 12 Super year old weird. getting high with his dad. Um, but then back in 2005, Otis, he goes back to the motel and he kind of imagines his dad is back there with him in his rodeo clown outfit. Um, and he tells him he's going to make a movie about him. And then, um, James asks him to make him look good and the two right away on James's motorcycle and it fades out and it actually fades to Otis being alone driving away. So um, that's Honey Boy. It's about an hour and a half, about an hour and 34 minutes, actually. Um, but the interesting thing about this movie, again, it is an autobiography, but it was written while Shire was in rehab in 2017. Um, so a lot of those parallels between, you know, the being a child and being in rehab are what really happened. And that's where this story was kind of born. Um, but um it was, it was such a, it's not a, a happy story by any means, but it does kind of end on a positive note, you, you know, on the road to recovery, on the road to, you know, kind of forgiving his father for his mistakes. And like I said, in the real world, the two were able to rekindle their relationship and they're on the way to, to being a better father, better son to each other. So at least there's that, you know, there was some good out of this, but it's definitely kind of, Nina, you know, like you said, um, in the beginning, you know, we, we don't really know 
anything about these actors that we watch, but it was really a very personal look at that story for him. He really exposed himself, Shia did, with just the the realities of his life growing up in the spotlight with a father like his. It was really interesting and it was moving even, I would say. What do you think? I think it was a really like kind of a story of redemption for Shia, Buff, that Shia LaBeouf that he took something that impacted him in his whole life that, you know, resulted in a lot of terrible things that he did, you know, how he was into drugs and, and drinking and all of the things um, and how he took all those things and evaluated what happened in his life and made something out of it that could impact other people. So like not only did he take that time to be introspective and evaluate the things that have happened to him and how that's made him into the person that he is, but he took that and actually did something with it by making it into a script, making it into a movie so that people can understand that, you know, the life of, you know, who, who didn't want to be a childhood actor back in the day to make adult money when you're a kid, you know, um, but to think of how you know, you see somebody on TV and you just think, oh, they must have such a great life. You know, they're 12 years old making millions of dollars or whatever. But obviously behind the scenes, a lot of terrible things are happening um, or can be happening. And that results in, you know, who who they are is such a such an important time of their lives to be growing into the person that they will eventually be and and to consider all the things that happened to them it's just really powerful to for him to have taken all that and put it into a film. Absolutely. I I can't imagine just the level of of honesty that you have to tap into and um just again just exposing yourself like that um for yourself for other people for for healing um is is a very brave thing to do and I definitely think that um Hopefully this is um, a way for, for Shia to get back out there and do more movies. Um, he definitely proved himself as a writer. I think the script was great. I think he did a phenomenal job. I think both um, Otis actors also did a great job. Um, Lucas Hedges, like I said, he was in um, Lady Bird that we just reviewed a couple of weeks ago. So it was um, interesting to see him again. Um, the the younger Otis, I don't I don't know him from anything else, but he's phenomenal. I would love to see him in more serious roles because he did a great job. He is the little boy in A Quiet Place. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I've only seen that movie once, so I guess I didn't make the connection. That's awesome. He's great. Speaking of um, A Quiet Place Part 2, I know that that got postponed for for the pandemic, but um, I'm assuming he's in that too, right? So we're we'll seeing more from him, I guess. Yeah. He's been in quite a few things. He's actually 15. Oh. So he's had a a few things under his belt already. None that I really recognize, but he was in the new Holmes and Watson, the one with Will Ferrell, which I did not (laughs) see because I heard it was terrible. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he's apparently in that one too. Well, awesome. Um, So we'll get into more of the making of. I have some really interesting um, insight to the making of this with some quotes from Shia. Um, But first, let's talk about what else we're watching. All right, Nina, what else are you watching right now? Um, the only thing that I really have watched since last week is a TV show that is on Netflix called Waco. Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I'd heard a lot of buzz about it. It is a show about the Branch Davidian cult that was around in Waco, Texas in 1993. Um, and crazy stuff went down. And I was only three years old in 1993. So I really didn't remember any of that happening. Um, but I know a lot of people that were alive and older during that time remember it because it was kind of a huge um historical event specifically for like um for cults and for the fbi and the atf so um yeah it it has been a wild ride it's only six episodes so i got through really really quick i watched the entire thing on sunday um since monday was memorial day so i just kind of stayed around and hung out and watched it but it was really good it was a very eye-opening to something that I was, you know, alive for and don't remember. So very interesting. Thanks. What about you? I'm still watching Degrassi. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I am almost done with season four, but you know what? I'm going to take a little break um, to watch some other stuff. I'm really excited about Space Force. So I want to watch that next. There's a ton of movies that are available now. Um, and because of our, because I started watching Degrassi, there's a ton of stuff on IMDb TV like movies, old movies that I want to watch. Um, I think I am going to hunker down this weekend and watch Space Force um, and just, you know, kind of just take a little break from Degrassi. There's 11, 12, 11 or 12 seasons. I don't plan on watching it all the way through because when I watched it originally, when it was on, I stopped watching at a certain point because all of my favorite, like the original cast was like off at college and it was like all new kids and I just didn't care about their stories. <laughs> so um I will probably just stop watching at a certain point and but I'm going to take a little break because there's only so much Degrassi I can handle but I just watched if you're familiar with the show season four is when there is the school shooting and I was watching that episode a couple of days ago and it oof, it just shook me and no matter how many times I watch it it will always like it brought tears to my eyes it gave me chills like it's just and especially at that time that episode came out in like 2004 when like, yes, there were school shootings. That was like a post Columbine world, but it was not nearly as prevalent as it has been in the past couple of years. Um, and thankfully I will say that it is like the one of the great things about this pandemic is that isn't happening right now because kids aren't in school. I mean, it's summer now anyway, but I mean, what was it? March was the first year or the first March since like 2002 that there wasn't a school shooting or something. It's, crazy. it's insane. So sad very sad, but, um, but yeah, that, that episode, oof, it just always gets me. Um, but that's really all I've been watching. I started watching this movie last night called, um, a good old fashioned orgy. <laughs> I didn't actually oh. watch any of Is it. It on Netflix. It was on Hulu actually. I feel like I had seen that advertised somewhere. It has a ton of people in it. Like Nick Kroll, Jason Sudeikis, um, other actors that like I know them by face but I don't know them by name mm -hmm. but there's a ton of people and oh Tori Spelling a ton oh, of people okay. are in that movie but I didn't actually I fell nice. asleep I didn't actually watch it but maybe I'll watch it later we've been watching just um I've been you know when you when you want to fall asleep and usually I'll revert back to like the office or oh yeah you know like something to kind of fall asleep to that I've seen a thousand times we used to be friends until they took friends off of Netflix rip did you see um, that it's being added to HBO? I did, which I thought that was really weird because I thought it was going to the, the NBC, NBC show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know what's going on with that, but I'm excited regardless. Anyway, so I've been falling asleep to just like the Netflix comedian specials um, because some of them I just don't really pay very much attention to and some of them are really good, but that's I've been watching a lot of those. I was also thinking about starting The Office again just because I know it's going to be gone soon, so maybe I should do Uh, that. But that reminded me of, have you been watching Some Good News with John Krasinski? Yes. I just saw that he sold it hmm cbs yep so i'm interested to see what's gonna happen with that so there's been a lot of like stink about that like there are people who are really upset like oh he's a sellout and like i i'm conflicted because i understand i mean he is yeah. a very busy man like he cannot continue to do this once things eventually go back to somewhat normal like he's not gonna be able to upkeep that totally understand it's a wonderful thing that he started with some great stuff that he did for people loved it, but it had to be done. It's nice that it's being continued in some way. What bothers me is you have to pay to watch it. It's not local or online. Like it was like, that was, that was the wonderful thing about some good news is it was free. It was on YouTube. Um, and it was low budget. Like that was what was so great about it was just the authenticity, the organicness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's going to, you know, be I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose of it what they're going to do with it so I agree and then I mean having good I mean good news you know good happy moments um available to you to cheer you up when you're feeling kind of blah about COVID and everything that's going on having that like readily available to you for free is so important so important to kind of bring you back out of the gutter that you can at least me in particular can sometimes get in when I'm having a bad day and so the fact that now you're gonna have to pay to see it is, I feel like defeats purpose. That's really irritating. Mm-hmm. Though that kind of also made me think, I wonder if a lot of movies have stopped, like put filming or like those things on hold during the pandemic. I've heard rumors that, you know, like tabloids, that there's a lot of actors that are like low on money because all these projects are being canceled or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there is definitely a standstill for some of this stuff. Um, like, like certain shows, like when are they going to record the next season or right. when are they, I, I don't know. There's definitely going to be a new, I mean, they obviously can't record shows in masks. Like what are they going to do? Right. Um, but you know, speaking of masks, I actually saw an advertisement. Old Navy is now selling face masks. Really? Such Honestly, a, that was pretty smart of them. I feel like all oh, the clothing sure. places should probably start selling masks because why not? Well, exactly. It like you don't want to buy like the actual like medical masks because regular people like us shouldn't have those. Right. Um, so it is nice that there are companies that are selling them, um, just like the fabric ones. I only have one, and I'm like, I need more because yeah. what happens if I lose that one? Like, I am very like, I I very rarely go out in public anyway, but when I do, I'm very much like, we'll wear the mask. I have no problem doing it but it's just, they're hard to find. So it is nice mm-hmm. that there are companies that are starting to sell them like local, not just online because my, um, my mother-in-law's husband, actually, he ordered some, maybe he was on Amazon and he's not supposed to get them until June. Like, and he ordered them months ago. Like that is how in demand they helpful. are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I actually went into target the other day and I left my mask at home and I felt, I didn't even notice it until I was already in target with my car. And I was like, 
and just felt such I felt like such an asshole honestly so I'm like okay I need to have more than one I just bought a bag at Target which they're like not great quality but it's better than nothing you know yeah I love that meme that's like it's like the Obama meme where he's like running and then he's running back and it's like keys I forgot my mask (laughs) yes usually when I forget my mask it's just in my car but I only have one and I left it at my house the other day and I was like Mm -hmm. so yeah having more than one is is crucial (laughs) during this time Mm -hmm. I really hope I hope we don't have to wear them for much longer. I have a feeling it's going to be for a long time, but as things slowly start to open up, I, you know, they're still encouraging people to wear masks when they can. Um, and I'm all about it. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but it's going to be a long time before, I mean, like I'll go to target, I'll go to the store. I'll even see like a few of my immediate family members here and there, um, that are low risk. Um, but I mean, our zoo in Omaha is opening up in a couple of days and that terrifies me. Like the amount of people that go to the zoo, like I know they have restrictions, but I don't plan on going to the zoo for a long time. I don't plan on going out to eat or like big shopping centers, big events. Like, like I can't even, it's so weird to me to like, especially, you know, when we're watching stuff, streaming things to see people at these big events or even just like on a park bench together. Like, it's just like, that seems so weird. (laughs) Like, it just seems like a like a really foreign concept now there was an episode of Degrassi hate to bring it back to Degrassi but um two of the characters were having like a contest it was kind of kind of weird they were like trying to see who could get the most kisses from girls and like that too I was like oh god (laughs) how many people like kissing me ew (laughs) yeah that's a lot of germs (laughs) yep strange strange times we live in for sure um but yeah anyway that's what else we're watching All right, everybody, welcome back to our review of Honey Boy. So I did some research on this movie again because it is semi-autobiographical. There's a ton of backup information on this film. Um, So like I said, in 2017, um, there was a very public arrest of uh, Shia LaBeouf. He made some very racial comments and um, had a violent altercation with the police. And um, he went to rehab. And um, the screenplay that he wrote that became this movie was intended to be a therapeutic exercise to trace the roots of his alcoholism. Of his alcoholism, and the the incident that happened in 2017 can very easily be uh, mirrored in the scene that we see in the beginning of the film of him getting into that car accident, yelling at the cops, um, and so as a therapy exercise, he just wrote about his dad and his relationship with his dad, and that became the movie that we saw. Um, he sent the pages to his friend who um, is, she did a lot of like documentary stuff, um, director Alma Harrell. Um, she at once was like, we need to make this into a movie. And um, Shia LaBeouf said, I thought she was out of her mind. I didn't think we could get the funding. I didn't think anybody was going to try to make movies with me anymore. He was going to join the Peace Corps, which is fascinating. That's fascinating. Maybe he still will. I don't know. But um, so instead, um, she actually helped him find the funding for the movie. Um, and they made Honey Boy. And um, she actually is who urged him to play his dad. And um, of all the films he's done, it is the most critically acclaimed film of his career. And he considers it an act of exorcism and liberation. I would definitely agree with that. Can you imagine like 
literally playing your abusive father in a movie. Like, I cannot imagine. Seriously, like that had to have, like you said, therapeutic exercising, like that has to be so hard to like tap into that person that you hated for so long. Like by the time he wrote the script, like he, he went and spoke to his father about it. Um, Harrell said that he needs to go talk to him. Obviously you need the rights to, I mean, it wasn't saying this is my father, but we can all, you know, assume that and know that that's who the character is based on. Um, and he got the blessing from his father, both legally and spiritually. By the time that uh, this film was was written, he hadn't spoken to his dad in 10 or seven years. So um, this was definitely that that opportunity to to talk again, to kind of open open the conversation. Um, and uh, LaBeouf said, uh, we're done fighting with each other. I missed him terribly. We missed each other way more than I want to be right. I want my dad. And as, as, as shitty as it sounds, like I understand that some people with, with strained relationships with their parents may not be able to do this for one reason or another. And it's, you know, understandable and it depends on each person. But at the end of the day, he's still his father. Right. And he was there for him when he was, you know, starting out. He helped him. And um, I read an interview with, with Jeffrey, his father, and he said, you know, I do have some regrets. Um, and he watched the film and cried and, you know, there were some parts that were really hard for him. Um, but he did say like, you know, he was a millionaire at age 18 and I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of who he's become. Um, and when he was going through hard times, he had said things like, you know, I, I tried, I, you know, I tried to help in ways I could, but more than anything, I prayed just for him to get help. And, um, and thankfully he was able to, to pull himself out of that. Um, but kind of like what I talked about in the first half, you know, putting himself in his father's shoes, it, um, it really did get to gave Shia LaBeouf that perspective of his father and it was able to help him heal. Um, you know, it, it, it is hard. I mean, I, you know, I have a relatively good relationship with both of my parents, but I don't think I could be that strong. I don't think that I could do that and put myself in my parents' shoes knowing like, okay, yeah, there is two sides to every story. But for me, this was a really shitty time. You know, it's right. good for him to, to find the strength to do that and the healing to do that. And, um, you know, putting ego aside, like, I think that is that in itself, I think is really commendable. Yeah. I just can't imagine having that relationship with my parent, first of all, and then having the ups and downs of, of the relationship that they have that, I, I thought I had read that he was still financially supporting his parents. Yes. He actually bought his mom a house. Like he helped his dad and he, he kept getting money from him for a while. Right. So even after everything that they had been through, you know, he still, you know, I think that no matter what happens with our parents and, and how they influence us, that we'll still always love them just naturally that we have that connection with them, that bond with them and the ability to forgive them because they are our parents and, and we love them unconditionally. Right. And forgiveness is, is, is a, an attribute of, of strong people, I think, because especially in, in a situation like this, like to forgive somebody for doing, for, you know, being somewhat abusive to you, is, is such a hard thing to do. Um, but, uh, but while it was therapeutic for him, um, the director Harrell, she did emphasize that no movie can vanquish such demons. She said, being an adult child 
of an alcoholic or being anybody that suffered from childhood trauma at a young age had their wires crossed when it comes to love and pain. It's a lifelong journey. Um, Her own father actually struggles with alcoholism. This film, you could say it's therapeutic, but really what it was, was a very big opportunity to go into that room where all the trauma happened and see it from a different perspective, which of course, a therapeutic therapeutic way of dealing with with your past. Um, So again, yeah, it it, it is helpful, but um, things like that, you know, don't just go away. So um, they will both probably have to deal with those, with those issues for the rest of their life, even if there is, you know, healing and forgiveness. Right. And I think that, you know, there's a good chance that because Shia saw the way that his dad was with drugs and alcohol, you know, that probably influenced him pretty well to feel that those things could take away his, his pain and his, the issues that he had at that time. And so that was probably a big lesson for him to learn that not only was it difficult for him, you know, but this is probably why my dad struggled so much. Oh yeah. It, it is beneficial in any situation to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, just to kind of see from a perspective other than your own. Um, when it comes to the making, the true actual making of this film, um, it, filming took place in March of 2018, it took 19 days to shoot. It had its world premiere at Sundance on January 25th, 2019. And shortly after, Amazon Studios acquired distribution rights, and it was released on November 8th of 2019. So it's been around for a couple of months, or like six months, I guess. Um, Gosh, November doesn't seem that long ago, but it is. Um, The film made um, just over $300,000 from four theaters in its opening weekend, considered a strong start. Um, and it expanded to 17 theaters the following, making 203. That seems like low numbers, but I think for like a, like an indie film, that's probably pretty good. Yeah. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 94%, so relatively, po- or I'd say mostly positive reviews. Um, the critical consensus reads, Honey Boy serves as an act of cinematic therapy for its screenwriter and subject, one whose unique perspective should strike a chord in audiences from all backgrounds. And I think that really hits the nail on the head. It covers everything that we've talked about in this review. It is therapeutic and it gives us an inside look to this actor that we grew up with. And I think everyone can feel just from watching it and um, can can just give us that perspective as well. Just, you know, we never really know what people are going through, especially celebrities. We never know what, who is on the other side of that camera. Um, so to get that kind of like fly on the wall perspective was, was really interesting, very different from, from a lot of what we've reviewed in the past and have watched. Um, so I, I really, I really liked this. I really liked the, the viewpoint that we got. I did too. And I also wanted to bring up that I had read about Shia LaBeouf having some issues with some of the scripts that he had been writing in the past that he was um, criticized for plagiarism. Did you read anything about that? No. Yeah, there was like a couple of um, like films that he was trying to, I don't know if they actually went through or not, but there was like two of them, I think, that he was criticized of plagiarism for prior to going to rehab. So I wonder, I mean, it just kind of made me feel like you can't plagiarize your own life. Like, you know, (laughs) so I bet he he probably felt pretty good after getting this, this one out there for a number of reasons, but for definitely for writing something that he could speak to personally and, and is impactful on his life and the lives of others. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I, I, like I said in the beginning, I really hope this is just the beginning for Shia. I hope we see more of him acting again. Because again, I think he did such a phenomenal job in this movie. He was so believable and although not always likable, he just did such a great job and writing too, the script is good too. Um, I hope to see more, just more films from him in general, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera. Um, it's just good to see um, people who have, you know, been down and um, struggling to make it back. So um, it was it was nice as a fan um, of his work growing up to see him kind of turn things around. And for all the celebrities that are going through rehab and had gone through a lot of the same thing that he has, at least that he's a good example of somebody that was able to take what he learned from rehab and from his life experiences and turn it into something that was helpful for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, let's get into our official review of Honey Boy. I think I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of 5. Great film all around. Um, Great script, soundtrack, acting is phenomenal. Um, Just don't want to give it a full 5 out of 5 just because it's a little hard to watch. It's it's just some some of it's a little uncomfortable for me, Um, especially like um, just the, the pot smoking scene with a 12 year old is kind of, um, but, um, and the first time I watched it again, I did watch it twice. The first time I thought it was a little, uh, not hard to follow. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, but it just, it seemed really short. Like it didn't really delve as deep as I wanted it to. And maybe it doesn't need that. But I think overall for a screenplay debut for Shia LaBeouf, I think he did a phenomenal job. I think that he should be commended for that and for his acting. Um, and again, just a great insight on on somebody that, you know, you think you know. And again, it just goes to show you don't really know the people behind the camera. So I, I, I did really enjoy it. So 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I would actually agree totally. Um 4.5 out of 5 for me too. I really liked it. Um, I think it has a really good message, obviously a really good redemption story for Shia LaBeouf, but there were some scenes that made me uncomfortable. So I don't really particularly want to go back and watch it again, but um, I felt like it was really, it was just an important film to be made. I agree. All right, guys, that's Honey Boy. Again, if you have not seen this one and you want to give it a watch, it is on Amazon Prime. Um, but But yeah, guys, we're going to get into June. We have some great things for this month, um, some great movies and shows. But as always, let us know if there's anything out there that you're watching that you want us to give a review. We'll add it to our list. And of course, how I end all of our episodes, thank you to all of our healthcare professionals out there who are doing the most and are helping us and helping our loved ones during this time. Hopefully very, very soon, things will start to get back to normal and we can get back to our normal lives. But in the meantime, let's... Uh, just let's keep streaming, keep watching stuff to kind of take our mind off of the more, uh, serious parts of life, even though I guess this movie is pretty serious, but, um, but hopefully at least it's an escape. Um, so again, keep on streaming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming.